Welcome to Radio 1 Berlin's historical series with Jason Oney, Lady Gabby and music by Ken Shakin. Hi everybody, welcome to Radio 1's historical series. Uh, this is Jason Honey, aka The Shitty Listener. I am Boy True. I'm here with my pal and collaborateur, Lady Gabby, and we are at the Zentralfriedhof here in Berlin, Lichtenberg, Lichtenfelde. Um, just to give you an indication to what it's like right now, it is the very beginning of February. It's mid-late afternoon. The sky is overcast with a light gray. We are here at the entryway to the cemetery, right at the main gate, standing directly here in front of the Gedenkstätte der Sozialisten. It was dedicated in 1956. It's basically an obelisk, the Toten Mannen uns, that means the dead remind us. And basically in 10 graves situated around it are the graves, some real and some not, of socialist figures and fighters, not the least of which, Karl Liebknecht, Rosa Luxemburg. Walter Ulbricht. Walter Ulbricht is over there on the backhand side. And then we also have here Wilhelm Pieck, etc., etc. Um, making his way around the Rotunda are a bunch of other gravestones and reliefs from people earlier on in the century, probably from as well as from the beginning of the century. And then over here to my far left, we also have a big marble stone and engraved are the names of hundreds of people, primarily socialists and communists, who were persecuted by the Nazis <coughs> before and during the course of the war. Yeah, and uh, we've been walking around in the lockdown uh, since cemeteries are in the fresh air and uh, hardly anyone here. We've actually been uh, going to different cemeteries in Berlin and um, paying our tributes to people who've influenced us or people who are of importance to, to us. And uh, first it was just like a fun thing. And now we've been actually realizing how much we've been learning by visiting this, um, these cemeteries. And um, we want to collect all the stories and all the photographs that we've been uh, taking and putting them in a book project with photos, stories, um, anecdotes, um, in this, that kind of stuff about the people whose graves we've been visiting. Yeah, something about the Zentralfriedhof uh, has been here since uh, 1881. In 1891, this became the first cemetery in Berlin where poor people who could not afford graves were actually buried, the cost for the internment being taken on by the Berlin city government. This went on until about 1891, um, when all of a sudden, because so many well-to-do-ish people wanted to be buried here, given the pleasant location and how beautifully and wonderfully landscaped the cemetery itself was, that all began to change. What really ushered in a huge change for the cemetery was with the burial, or the internment rather, in 1921 of Wilhelm Liebknecht, the okay. papa of uh, Karl Liebknecht, yeah, who was the founder of the German SPD, the Socialist Party of Germany. Yeah, and with that then, all kinds of prominent socialists decided they wanted to be buried here as well. An interesting note about where we're standing right now, although this is the monument to the socialists, it's my understanding that both Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht are actually not buried here. Rather, where they are buried is in the very back of the park, where we'll be going to towards the end of the walkthrough.
So we didn't visit this section of the cemetery the other day when we were here, but I do notice that over there are those two kneeling figures in the trees. Oh, and they okay. they were mentioned. And there was at one point in time a balloon here. Yeah, a fountain. All right. And I believe for some reason or other it was recently removed as well as were all the benches here around it. Now I'm wondering what all these stones were about. Do you notice they all are They're all the uniform? same. And most of these people all seem to have been born and died around the same time. Huh. Which leads me to wonder... Oh boy. Ah. Oh, this was... Shipwreck victims. Exactly, I forgot. Okay, shipwreck, shipsunglück. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. Ferienkinder aus Schulen in Schattenburg, Prenzauerberg und ihr erwachsenen Begleiter ums Leben. Als sie auf dem Ausflugsschiff Heimatland im Hafen Berlin Treptow eine Explosion ereignete. Die meisten Kinder konnten nicht schwimmen, da zu dieser Zeit in den Schulen kein Schwimmunterricht möglich war. Wegen der politischen Spannung in der geteilten Stadt wird der Rettungsarbeiten teilweise behindert. Oh, oh that's my terrible. God. So 39 to 49 victims yeah. fell and only 16 are buried here. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's sad. And that is in Treptow or Teltow Canal? Where did it say that? Berlin Treptow. Wow. Oh, look, Lipnek. Is I'm that her, his daughter or it anyway? Could be. I mean, that's... Well, he had a son named Robert Liebknecht. And look at all the special flowers. Right. Robert Liebknecht is the son that uh, Kata Kolwitz was sort of offering advice to. Oh, okay. You're and mentoring. was encouraging him to go to art school. And look at right. that, that. That must be the Liebknechts, no? Could be, yeah. Because I mean, Wilhelm Liebknecht had five kids. Right, okay. Yeah. What I find completely accessible about the cemetery is that even though there's a lot of people buried here, it's totally accessible and that it's just one big long strip between the S-Bahn-Station as well as the Lichtenberg S and U-Bahnhof. Um, it's sort of equidistant between both of them and you can enter from the back or you can enter in from the front and you can just make your way down the central passageway and cut a little bit left and cut a little bit right. There's always something interesting to look at. You guys, just for your information, this is very interesting as well too. This reminds me a bit that big stone, that big brick structure right there, this does remind me a little bit of the Mies van der Rohe's uh, uh, Denkmal. Yeah, a little bit. Do you notice the red triangle? That is the camp designation for political prisoners, specifically communists. Mm. Um, I think there's about 235 graves over there. You know there? From people who were initially buried all over other different parts of uh, Berlin. Um, Well-known communists who basically lost their lives within the time period of 33 to 45. Yeah, she is Kate Kolwitz. Oh, they were right, really good friends, yeah. Nagel, Otto Nagel and her. So it's funny how they're buried next to each other. So this is the artist's corner of the cemetery where writers, painters, uh, caricaturists, actors um, are buried. And we are standing in front of Katha Kolbitz's grave and um, her husband's grave is here too. He was a doctor and uh, they together they moved to Prenzlauerberg when they first got married and they lived in um, Weissenfeldstraße but now it's called Katha Kolbitzstraße mm -hmm. and her art was always a response to the situation, to political situations, and her art was also inspired by personal tragedies, by personal experiences. 
She lost her first son. Peter? Um, in the first year of the war in Belgium? Uh, the Battle of Flanders, and that's when she became in contact with the pacifists and the socialists. And after Karl Liebknecht was murdered, she dedicated a woodcut to him. And one of her famous quotes, it was, art has to depict social conditions. Um, in 1926, she signed the Declaration for the Preservation of All Berlin, um, that is to preserve characteristic streets, square images, and a lot of Berlin things. Right. And another quote from her was, those who do not move do not notice their chains. History is the only true teacher, and the revolution the best school for proletarians. Mm -hmm. um, freedom is always and exclusively for the ones who think differently. Yeah, she was very, very interesting person, and uh, she was. She was born in Königsberg, yeah, the 1880s. Yeah, went to art school in Munich. If I'm not mistaken, she was the first woman ever to be elected to, yeah, or initiated into. Or inaugurated into the Academy of Arts, the Artists. Prussian Academy of Arts. Yeah, an honor of which she was quickly stripped of in yeah. January, February of 1930, or, or in February, March of 1933, as soon as the Nazis came to power. Mm. Yeah, she she became pretty much famous in um, all the art circles because also she was a woman and she was one of the first ones to have work with painting, printmaking, sculptures, and um, her work was very political and depicted a lot of proletarian scenes and revolts, riots, and um, her art style was pretty much unique. Yeah, she was very much influenced by expressionism and realism. And she was a teacher, that's right. She was one of the first female teachers at the Women's Academy um, of Berlin, Women Artists Academy of Berlin. And she got attention with etchings, uh, a weaver's uprising. Uh, that was basically one of the main uh, etchings that came, gave her her reputation. And she was actually nominated to get a golden medal for that work in particular. But Kaiser Wilhelm II, he refused. He didn't like the work he, because he thought modern art was... Uh, gutter art, that's what he called it. Right, and also it wasn't nationalistic enough. And it wasn't nationalistic, he was much more in the whole uh, art that was portraying Preuss and Glory yeah. and soldiers and men on horses. And so she was refused the, the medal and she supported the KPD and the SPD. And she, because of her support, for the uh, those two parties, she was forced to resign as the uh, as the master class for graphics in in Berlin. She was basically the Nazis pushed her out, and uh, she ended up um, working and in her studio that's in Klosterstrasse number seventy five. Uh, that she had a studio there in room two ten. She she was working there since nineteen thirty four, and it's funny because. Her home in uh, Kovitzstrasse was bombed in 1943. The whole streets, the whole buildings. Yeah. yeah. And um, a lot of her works were destroyed. A lot of, uh, she lost a lot of her Sculpture, etchings and sculptures etchings, yeah. in, this, um, in this bomb. Yeah. And unfortunately, she just died a few days before the war ended in Moritzburg, where, where she moved to in 1944. 
and uh, what's um, still remaining from her time in this castle it was like a villa castle thing her diary her bedside table uh, it's in a museum now and a bust of Goethe that she had by her bedside and Otto Nagel and her were very good friends and we can see they're kind of pretty much buried next to each other Twenty-two or twenty-three. I was taking a walk with my sister through some cemetery somewhere in California, and I just added a remark. You know how still sometimes I'm so not creeped out, but just absolutely scared because I think of spirits just totally being stranded here. And my sister was like, "No, no. The thing that's creepy about cemeteries is there's absolutely no spirits here. They've just completely flown the coop." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were the spirits walking around in here? Chasse Strasse Cemetery about three or four days ago. Uh, it was one of the first days in a while in which the sun was just absolutely shining. Yeah. And we hadn't been longer than 20 minutes inside the cemetery. We came into the part of the cemetery where Brecht and Heinrich Mann and all these people are. There was a big mausoleum directly to our left, and there was this beautiful little juvenile. Fox. Smoky fox. <laughs> that Taking wasn't a afraid dump. of anything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. of course, he wouldn't you pet him. Um, yeah, probably, probably bite didn't your want to pet him. Off, yeah. uh, but he was sniffing at you, thinking you had something for him to nibble on. Uh, <laughs> and then, then he, he took, took a dump at the, of, <laughs> at the feet of Christ. <laughs> approaching where the Revolutionsdenkmal used to be and where supposedly both Liebknecht and um, Luxembourg are still to this day buried, albeit not in their boxes, so to speak. As I mentioned earlier, here are the graves of 33 people, all killed during the first two weeks of January 1919, after the Republic was declared. At some point in January of 1919, 33 coffins, 33 individuals, well, I should say 33 coffins were, were uh, put in the ground here, however, one only ceremoniously, because at that point in time, Rosa Luxemburg's body had not yet been found. Mm. When they finally did recover her body from the Landberg Canal that four months later. In June, right? I think so, yeah. They interred her here as well, and if I'm not mistaken, there was a big, huge, massive parade attended by thousands of people that wound its way through Berlin from Schlottenburg all the way to here. The military was out in force, but they were not prepared for this kind of turnout. Yeah. Um, and they still have those every year on the 15th of June uh, of January, January. Um, they they march all the way from Prenzlauberg or whatever they make this march and they come here to celebrate and pay pay their and respects I believe I saw posters for it this year as well too right it, it was happening this year 
even though uh, because you know it was a it was a protest demo mm. and these are allowed in the times of corona in 1926 the revolution's denkmal a big huge massive brick structure designed by Mies van der Rohe, Dutch architect and also if I'm not mistaken the lighter of the Bauhaus there for a while um, was erected uh, 11 years later um, in 1935 after the Nazi seizure of power um, it was raised by the Nazis and all of these people essentially hauled out of the graves and here's where there's some confusion initially I believe they wanted to reinter them back over there where we started our talk namely over there by the Gedenkstätte der Sozialisten however that didn't happen and what the Nazis essentially did is they just uh, threw all their bones back into a big huge hole here and that was that so essentially they yeah. are all here but in somewhat of a disarray So here we are now uh, at the gravesite, as well as where the Van der Rohe Design Monument was. You can see now that essentially all that's left is basically the foundation of that colossus. There it is depicted over there on that display. Here are the gravestones. Yeah, when we were here on um, mid-January, there was fresh flowers because the March um, just happened a few days before that so there was just like fresh flowers on most of these plaques so yeah there's Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht the right in the front right in the middle and uh, she's also Pisces like me born on March the 5th Fifth, right yeah yeah and she's born in Poland um, she's very well known in Germany for being a Marxist and anti-war activist revolutionary socialist and a philosopher born in Zamox in Poland um, Polish Jew she ended up uh, going to one of the exclusive girls schools in Warsaw that was just basically reserved only for the Russians uh, she I don't know how she ended up going there which was basically a good thing for her so she got really well educated um, she played a key role in the founding of the Polish Social Democratic Party. Um, she was killed in 1919 because she led the German workers uprising after World War One, And she began her career basically while she was in the school in Warsaw and um, was forced to leave to go into exile because of all her associations and her support for the communists and revolutionaries and she had to go to uh, she was in exile in Switzerland um, because the Russian police became very aware of her activities and uh, then she came to Berlin and became a German citizen at the age of 28 after she married for convenience in order to become a German citizen and she became to Berlin and she was um, wanted to be associated with a very well-organized SPD party she became in Berlin one of the most respected and beloved leaders of the international socialist movement um, she was all for revolutionary goals rather than parliamentary reform 
Uh, the police, they dubbed her as the Red Rose during World War I. Uh, she was in prison for her revolutionary activities and her association with Karl Liebknecht. And uh, she helped found the revolutionary Spartacus Union with him together. After prison in 19, 1918, uh, disappointed with the failures of the socialist revolution in Germany, she founded the German Communist Party and its newspapers called the Rote Fahne, the Red Flag, and drafted the program for the party. And together with Liebknecht, they used revolution and activities uh, and, uh, against the Ebert, and during his government, Ebert government, uh, Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg, they really urge the workers to um, go on strike. And during his government, between 1918 and 1919, there was a lot of strikes and outbreak of violence. And I think we are seeing that actually in that series Babylon Berlin. Um, that's basically where that series started. They were concentrating on all these uprisings uh, in 1918-1919. She supported the German workers in their call for revolution and uh, the troops were called in and they crushed the revolt pretty much very fast and on the January the 15th Liebknecht and Luxembourg were caught uh, hanging out at a friend's and house killed yeah yeah, basically she's um, she's very famous for pretty much being one of the first people to to start the communist parties in in Germany, and she also praised and was a supporter of the Russian Revolution, but did criticize them after she realized that they were going on the wrong path, and uh, she developed a humanitarian theory of Marxism. Yeah, basically she was very much for freedom of speech, freedom of press abolition of death penalty and supported the Russian Revolution, as I said. Um, she wrote an essay called The Accumulation of Capital that urges... Right to Assembly as well, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that urges that capital accumulation causes imperialism. Yeah. And yeah, we can see the effects of that today, pretty much. And I think she was combating and she was like a real, you know, knew where, where, where it was all heading and... Um, I guess that's why she was killed um, by the Fry Corps. And there was um, just like right-wing paramilitary uh, division of German Loyalists, police or yeah. something, or army or... Army. They're the ones who pretty much crushed the strikes that the workers went on. I don't know, I've seen a lot of black and white footage from those times, like in documentaries where they're all like, you know, just these Fry Corpses pounding on the workers, you know, they're just marching up to Reichstag or up Winter de Linden or in Hermannplatz in Neukölln. Sure. Well, also lots of firefights between them and communist soldiers yeah. and workers. Yeah. Yeah. They and tend to be somewhat better armed, though. Yeah. That's why she was obviously, you know, hated by them and uh, because she was like on the side of the workers and um, was demanding free everything, free speech. She was, you know, very early anarchist. I mean, I guess we're still fighting for a lot of the ideals that she was fighting for. Yeah. Like a century later. Essentially what happened is the media kind of got behind the, um, the Fry Corps, etc. And basically made her out to be the one that was completely and totally responsible for all of this agitation and any bloodshed that resulted and ensued. And for that reason, she got this um, nickname, nick, uh, nickname uh, Bloody Rosa, which yeah. is completely unjustified. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, if anything, she was calling for something else, but things quickly just spun out of control. They were at a friend's house in Southwest Berlin somewhere. Somebody, it's not quite clear. Were who, they hiding or? Uh, yeah, hiding. Um, somebody eventually found out it was them and tipped off the police and the Freikorps. And apparently she was reading poetry when she was abducted. Yeah. She probably knew her end was coming. Exactly. They both knew. Yeah. We are at the end of our tour. We are actually very close to the exit of the cemetery, back into the other world. But we are standing here and there's a lot of uh, stones here, gravestones from a lot of the communist fighters um, who were, I guess, around Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht. The Nazis basically just like lumped them all here or? No, the, these are the, people the, who the, died in the first weeks of January of 1919. The Nazis destroyed this. The Janua Kempfer. That's right, yeah. okay. Um, these people were initially all buried here in their caskets, right. okay. with the exception of Rosa Luxemburg, because her body had not yet been found. Okay, in 1935, the Nazis then came in here, tore this Mies van der Rohe's designed monument down, disinterred all these people. The plan was initially to take them forward to where we started off the tour, right. over there at the Gedankstätte der Sozialisten, but then for whatever reason decided they weren't going to do that trashed the coffins and yeah. basically threw all of the bones in here hodgepodge okay. so essentially all of these people are probably just buried one on top of the other side yeah. by side yeah yeah but this is where we are this monument and um, the right and these stones basically represent where at one point in time those coffins were should we just go and say all the right. names right. of the sure. the fallen communists sure that's also really interesting okay so okay. we can we can start and Jakob Meyer, Franz Kaber, Otto Eisner, Emil Ox, Wilhelm Tunak, Rosa Luxemburg, Karl Liebknecht, Paul Hermann, Oscar Sora, Wilhelm Bug, Arthur Schottler, and Karl Jupper, Wilhelm Rudlinger, Fritz Manner, Wolfgang Fernbach, Karl Grubusch, Walter Heiser, Erich Kluger, Fritz Thiel, Leo Fischer, Kurt Kepler, Rudolf Starker, Wilhelm Treischler, Eric Krauser, Robert Pesch, Leo Jorgisches. Yeah. That's um, who I think he? he was a Lithuanian guy. Mm. Johannes Knüppel, he's quite famous too. Heinrich Schaumann, Ernst Kühner, Bernard Müller, Paul Wackermann, Karl Rohr, Karl Zachter, and Stratzkopf, Karl Hennig. Hermann Merx, Kurt Wolf, and Heinrich Wöller. There's only one woman amongst all these men, these great men. Um, for the record, Leo Jogisius was Rosa Luxemburg's part-time lover oh, and lifelong okay. friend. Okay. Off and ons. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah? Cool. That was the Radio On historical series with Jason Honya and Lady Gabby and watch out for our book on this project thanks for listening
You've been listening to Radio On Berlin's historical series with Jason Oney and Lady Gabby, with music by Ken Shakin. This was a Radio On production. For more information, visit www.radioonberlin.com. Thank you for listening.